The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help support the show by clicking on the donate button on the website or in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CANDIDFRAME at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. Race has been a topic of conversation a lot in the past year. And in a political season, much of the discussion can be polluted by a lot of misinformation, posturing, and blaming. Any healthy conversation that can be had about such issues quickly devolve into issues of us and them, right and wrong. And it's easy to forget that ultimately, it's about people. Men and women who are trying to to achieve better lives for themselves and for their children. We are not so different as the pundits would make us believe we are. Such issues are particularly a personal one for couples who choose to cross the color line when it comes to love. And those couples are the subject of today's guest, photographer Donna Pinkley. Her project, Sticks and Stones, is a portrait series in which she photographs interracial couples and the negative comments that they have been subject to because of their relationship. These hateful comments are written on on the bottom of each print and show some people at their worst. But the images also demonstrate people for whom love allows them to rise above such hate and, and intolerance. It's heartening to see people who don't allow other people's ignorance or hatred to deter them from finding love and happiness. Donna's photographs go a long way to demonstrating not just the worst in people, but also people at their best when they are led by love. Donna, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a real pleasure to to have you and have a chance to to sit down and talk with you. Thank you. Um, The the impetus for for me reaching out to you was your project, Sticks and Stones, that you've been doing uh, for the last couple of years. And can you tell us really briefly what what this series is about and what inspired it? Well, it kind of fell in my lap, so to speak. I had always been photographing people. That's always been my uh, focus. But um, it started, um, I've been, like I said, I've been photographing kids for a couple, I mean, for a long, long time, especially since I moved to Little Rock. And I photographed some of the kids over and over over the years. And I just happened to um, see on Facebook um, where one of my uh, kids had been uh, started uh, dating in an interracial relationship. And she's blonde-haired and blue-eyed and uh, very pretty. And the guy was as well. And I just asked to photograph them, not knowing uh, where this project, I mean, this how this was going to um go about but after photographing her and um i thought was talking to her mom and her mom was saying how some hateful comments was made to her and of course i've heard those before and uh, in the meantime this couple gave me another uh of their friends a photograph and 
uh, it was like two weeks and it, those comments that, the hateful comments that was made to um, her daughter reminded me of a couple I had photographed in 1988 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was an albino white woman and an African-American. And I just remember uh, them saying how Albuquerque at that time was the least racist um, town that they could live in. And it just stuck with me, so to speak. And um, in the meantime, two weeks had passed, and I was just thinking, well, could I do something to educate, um, just make people more aware of what they're saying to each other? And so uh, I said, what if I thought about if they've ever had a cruel comment made directly toward them, they've overheard, or they have um, someone has uh, told them of something someone else said that, you know, related to them. And then so uh, what I did with that comment is I had, I wrote, I had them write down the comment in their own handwriting, and then I put it into the border or the photograph. Um, so they, it was a more of a participatory um, involvement. You know, it's not only, you know, it's, it was something that, a give and take. And I was hoping, you know, it would, um, you know, it would educate and it would give more power to the couple that have had these uh, comments made to them. So that's kind of how it evolved. And I guess I just educate, you know, I'm just, you know, people are people. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. It just, it wasn't anything I intended to do because I don't really consider myself a political person, but um, the, I know the topic is political, so that's how it went. To clarify, the, the girl was, was white, and what was the uh, the boyfriend? The boyfriend was African-American. Okay. So what, what was the comment that they had heard? Do you remember what they, what they said that uh, they had heard? There's other black girls out there. Um, well... Uh, speedy up a little bit. I hadn't thought of this, what I was going to do with it when I first photographed them. But their friends, um, the comment was made to them directly was, they are disgusting. Hmm. And that was just so hateful. I just like, wow, does this really happen? You know, I mean, um, so I thought, well, that you know, that got me going because that's just very hateful, you know, and I just, I just didn't like it. And I just wanted to show people what people are saying, saying to each other. And does it, you know, um, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just, um, it's just a hateful thing. I've always been taught to care about one another, you know, and uh, I just wanted to educate people, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, you grew up in, in Louisiana where Correct. Where, yes. you know, where race has always been a, a, sort of a fascinating thing. I mean, it is part of the South, but Louisiana yeah, is, yeah. is kind of has its own unique take on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, the thing, the thing I've learned over, you know, I... You, you live in your bubble world, right? And you don't really think about it till you get out of it, right? I mean, your own uh, environment. 
but I kind of saw, I went to grad school at UT Austin, and um, after coming, you know, it's predominantly Hispanic there, and I did a project there, but when I went back after I graduated, I could, it just really, I don't know, it just really stood out, you know, the racism and the black and white, but uh, I didn't really, yeah, it was just in the back of my mind, just like the racist comment that was made to the couple in New Mexico. And I guess it just all was gelling together to come to this point, able to do something about it, or at least put my take on it. Before you, you, you left Louisiana, what what was your experience of, 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 of race? Um, you grew up white woman down in Louisiana. Um, I'm curious as to what, how you perceived race while you were down there. Because you not only have blacks, but you also have a lot of mixed race. You have Latinos, you have Native Americans. You know, there's this whole blended community uh, that, that exists there. Right, What was right. your perception of race and those differences when you were growing up down in Louisiana? It was mainly black and white. I mean, um, until, you know, I was... We had mulattoes around, you know, I mean, I'm from middle um, Alexandria, which is right in the middle of the state of Louisiana, so it was kind of a combo, you know, um, but it was mainly the, the people I dealt, I mean, not dealt with, but the people I was around was, you know, totally African-American and white, um, you know, and I didn't really, I mean, I where I lived was close to the after African American neighborhoods, but I also went to Catholic school, which hardly had any African American people. Um, so I, you know, um, it was kind of a, I don't know. I mean, you know, I I was around um, African Americans, but uh, not as much as I could be if I went to a public school. Do you remember early on when you were, were a child where you started understanding that there was a distinction that was being made between the two races? Oh, I'm sure, yes. I mean, my, our, my family, you know, I don't think anybody, um, well, people out, my families, um, I'm sure they had said racial slurs. Um, it was more common back then. Um, but I always didn't like it, you know. Um, I always felt like, you know, people should be treated fairly, but, you know, I wasn't in any position to say, Hey, don't say that, yeah. you know, when I was, a, you know, I, I probably didn't really realize what was going on until I was older, you know, probably middle school, high school, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, when it really kicked in. So when you were growing up was, did you ever see? interracial couples and do you remember any sort of reactions that you you know maybe family members friends or, or other people may have had to them when, when they saw them? no not really at all um if it if they did have a if i did see an interracial relationship it was very negative you know and it was um I think it's, you know, I mean, it was a negative tone even back then. I mean, probably more so than it is now. There is some, I don't know what the correct word is, but acceptance. But it's still, it's still, it's still here. Yeah. It's still going on because it's, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, twisting anybody's arm to, uh, 
ask them for a comment. I mean, it is true what they're saying to the the couple. Um, So I think it's just a little bit different, maybe a way of going about it. Maybe it's not so vocal, but it still goes around. And I don't know about if I'm sure social media has played a big part on, you know, how they can be more open and say what they really think. When, when you started the, the the project, how did you find your your subject matter, and did you meet any resistance from from people when you approached them about participating? Well, yeah, I mean, not really resistance because uh, they just said no, they don't want to participate. Um, I remember, you know, and it, it's just been word of mouth because I didn't really want to put it on Craigslist or something of that sort. I didn't want to have you know, some people there weren't stable coming around. But, um, I remember, you know, when I, when I first started doing it, I had to really think about, cause I don't think that way, you know, I'm an artist and I just don't think in those terms, but I had to really think about if I even knew anybody. And I started thinking about it. I do know people that are in interracial relationships. In fact, um, this one woman, uh, my daughter, uh, she taught her uh, swimming lessons, and I asked if she would want to participate. And she asked her husband, who is African-American, he said, well, well, yeah, she said, well, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say he doesn't see color. And I said, yeah, that's true. You know, and I would hope that people would think that, but it's not. I don't think that's realistic. In my mind, I'm thinking this, you know. And they chose not to participate. But then, you know, you have these younger couples, like that first uh, couple that I photographed, they are discussing straight to their face. I mean, it's obviously still happening. And uh, One thing I did realize through the project, it's getting on this media, is, you know, it's typically people think it's just in the South, but it's really not. It's all over the world. I've had people that want me to photograph in England and Canada and, you know, all over, you know, so it's just not a traditionally, you know, stereotypical Southern thing that happens. And it's just not just coming from whites, it's coming from from blacks as as well. Yeah, and I didn't want to, I didn't really want to, it's just not about black and white, it's just about racism racism in general i mean if you look at the work i have uh mixed races with uh Af- um gay guys and i have um i don't even have it on the my website yet cuz it's just so new i have um uh american and a, uh indian american that have had racist comments and i didn't want it to just be black and white yeah. you know i just I wanted to, you know, it's all, it's all about racism, not just, you know, just, just stereotypical black and white. As you, as you started photographing these people and, and talking to them, it's, it's sort of different from just making a portrait of someone because you're asking them to open up to you to, you know, expose something about their, their lives. It could be painful, difficult, something they, you know, really don't want to remember. Um, so when you were engaging your subjects for for the portrait, how was this experience different from, you know, portraits that you made um, at other times, uh, especially because it was revolving around such a sensitive t- topic? Did you approach it any differently? 
I don't, I mean, I approach it in terms of the same way, but that, you know, I give them an opportunity. I tell them up front what I'm doing and how it's going to be presented. And so they have an opportunity not to participate. <laughs> and I find that some people, uh, some couples, um, they don't really, they choose not to think about it in some respects. But once you start talking to them, like one of the uh, comments, one of the first portraits I took was in New Orleans. And um, it was not as you, it was funny. It was funny, but not funny. It was like, I told you a black woman lived without white men in that house. You know, I mean, it's not like you're disgusting, but it is a negative comment. And it makes you think, what I wanted to do is, like, you know, I want the viewer to look at the portrait and see how, how you know, a loving portrait it is. And then look at the comment, which I've grayed down in the portrait because I don't want them to fight with each other. I want you to look at the portrait and then the comment and then start thinking, wow, yeah. you know, um, what kind of comment is that, you know, and just start thinking about what people are saying to each other. As you as you developed the project and you started photographing more people and talking to them, what were some of the things that you surprised you? What what hadn't you expected? Um, I think the main one is this being so direct was that first one. I keep going back to it. They are disgusting. And, you know, these kids are 18 and 19 years old. And, um, you know, I think that shocked me the most. But there's a recent one that I haven't put up on my website. I'm still working on it. And it talks about the Indian uh, American and the uh, American um, African, I mean, uh, Caucasian, is um, a comment that the, the sister in law uh, made to her. And she, the sister in law, actually put it on Facebook. And it was something of sort, um, I hope he, the child's born with a turban. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, uh -huh. but, or, and in the same sentence was, uh, I hope, I hope it get, they get STDs or something like that. And it's just, just horrible, you know, what people can say. I mean, words can be very, you know, hurtful, but, um, you know, I wanted to show, you know, in general, you know, you you have to be strong people, you know, a, yeah. a strong couple to deal with, with comments. Why would you want to deal with that? You know, you must really love each other, you know, and people shouldn't be that way. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but, you know, I just, I'm just amazed sometimes. Did you find in some of the stories that uh, the majority of these, these statements that were made were made to them? in their face, in person, or were some of these statements stuff that they would get, say, over social networking, like we, you mentioned Facebook? Um, uh, most of these have been by person. Okay. Um, it's mainly been, you know, through the person. I mean, except for that one. That was the only one I was told it was done on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, the one I'm referring to, the last one. But um, it's mainly, you know, things that have been said directly to them or they've overheard or or somebody has told them that they have said something about them. 
Success in the form of a, of a business, particularly a photography business, is really about relationships. It's not just about how great your work is. It's about communicating what you do and what you're passionate about with others and building a bridge between you and them. Because ultimately, whether your photography revolves around portraiture, landscape, fine art, or street photography, you want to make that connection between what you do and the people who can love and appreciate it. And that's where having a great website is so important. It's not the sole solution, but it's an important component of you being able to begin that dialogue between you and the people that get what you do. Showcasing your work in the best way possible with a beautiful looking website lets them know who you are and how much pride you take in the work that you do. Squarespace can help you do that. Try it out and see how Squarespace can make a big difference in the things that you are passionate about. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off your first purchase and help support the show. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking when, when you think about it. And, and you, you would hope that things are getting getting better. And yet, hearing stories like this can be disheartening, especially when you hear young people being subject to it and being the ones who are uh, spewing that kind of garbage. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you find that some of the couples feel like, well, they just, just ignore it. But did you find that there was a sort of consensus in terms of how these couples chose to, to deal with it? I mean, cause it's, granted that this may have been just one, one sort of odd incident in, in, in a lifetime together, but, I, I can't help but feel that they sort of may feel like they're constantly on their guard. Did they, did they talk about that whole idea about constantly having to be aware that people are seeing them differently? No, not really. I mean, they just choose not to um, listen to the comments, you know. I mean, they hear them. I'm sure it affects them, but they've, um, you know, chosen not to even really think about it. They just you know, they just don't think they're any different. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, not really. I mean, I haven't, I mean, a lot of times people, like when I first talked to them and they said, they would say, well, I don't really have a comment, you know, I don't really think I've heard anything. And then once you start talking to them, they really do. They've just chosen not to think about it, you know. And tell me about your process in terms of making the images. I mean, these are all uh, really beautiful black and white uh, photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a penchant for d- doing work in the portraits in black and white? And if so, why? Well, I, I've always loved black and white. I've always uh, thought it was a little more, it gives a little more haunting feel to it, you know, the look to it. But the reason why I chose black and white for this project was to make it neutral, you know, um, so color wouldn't be involved in it at all. Um, uh, you know, everything's done. Um, and I like to make everything by hand. So black and white is one way I, I can do that. Even color, when, when I was doing color, I did everything myself. So... Um, but the only thing is I've had this last time with this project since I'm 
uh, having um, the comment made to it uh, have to have digital output, but the print, I mean, the film is, uh, I use a 4x5 camera, uh, Crown Graphic, and um, everything's processed by hand and scanned and then digital output. But if I didn't have the comments, I would be doing it in the dark room uh, okay. or printing it in the dark room. What What were the couple's reactions to the photographs? Uh, oh, they loved them. They loved them. I mean, um, they really, you know, like it. Um, they just have... Um, been, it's been a great response, and especially with um, um, the, all the media coverage mm-hmm. they've had on it. It's even even better. So what uh, what what's been your experience since this work has gotten uh, out there? I, I mean, I uh, read... it's been kind of a it's been kind of surreal because uh, when Slate came about, um, you know, that was a great interview. And and then the next morning, I'm having Huffington Post contact me. So it's been kind of my 15 minutes of fame have lasted <laughs> almost three months. So it's been great. Um, I've only had two. I've chosen not to read the comments uh, on these websites. I mean, these blogs and stuff. Yeah, but um, for the most part, um, I've only had two people contacted me to uh, – say negative things and they're racist and you can tell they're ignorant racists. So I just read the comment and delete it, you know, the email. But for the most part, I've had people all over the world want me to photograph them. And, um, so it's been a, uh, you know, just to say, Hey, I'm glad you're, you know, doing this and keep up the good work. And if you ever have a book, let me know, you know, I just have been very positive. How did Slate discover the work? Oh, um, well, Slate, um, I entered Critical Mass, and it's a portfolio review competition, and they have pretty screeners, and they, I think this past year they had over 700 portfolios, and they picked the top 200, and he was one of, uh, David um, Rosenberg from Slate was the first, was a pre-screener, and he contacted me after he saw the work. But I've also, I guess the first person that's shown the work is um, uh, Julie Graham from A Curator. She showed the work, but it, um, I I guess it was a limited, um, um, limited audience and once it got into slate which is a little bit more mainstream it's really taken off tell me about your your other project you have a project called soul objects that you started back yeah yeah well uh backing up a little bit the the southern depictions is kind of the start of it um uh when i was in um i would walk around my neighborhood um and it was interesting how um, the parents, you know, this was in the early 90s, and the parents didn't really want to be photographed, but they said, you can photograph my kids. And so I just started to uh, walk around and photograph the kids. And I, I guess it was sort of, you know, to get them more at ease to 
ask them to hold something very special to them, you know, and it just kind of, and then talking with them, it just kind of loosens them up and gets them to relax. And then, um, yeah, also is in terms of letting them sit, you know, stand where they want to be, you know, their most comfortable place in the yard. Because I always like to use available light. I've always loved that twilight hour, you know, from like 5 to 8, really 6 to 8. So, and that's how it started. Oh, and getting, so that was black and white. And then I had, I'm a college professor, and it was, I had to, um, go and um, teach digital and I thought well uh, I want a photo I want the kids need to learn color because the first two photo classes are black and white so I chose to choose uh, chose to teach the class the digital class in color so you know I wanted to be able to teach them so um, and you know I just didn't want to spit you know just I wanted to know it on the ins and outs so I could help my students. So that's when I started doing color. Also, too, it it's kind of a changed, um, evolved because I have a daughter that some of the kids in the black and white work um, or her friends and people in the neighborhood. And as my daughter got older, I followed those certain kids and so it was just a transition from if you notice the black and white kids are younger Mm -hmm. but as you get to the color work the kids are getting older so it was just a transition and uh, kind of the same um, approach you know but it's a little bit different when they get older they they get a little more awkward and you know and that kind of that in between age, you know, to puberty, you know, it's a very interesting time for adolescents. Did you find that by having them hold or display something that they were attached to, that it helped the uh, uh, the older kids and compared to the younger kids to feel a little more comfortable in front of the camera? Well, I think so. I mean, for the most part, um, I think in general, they're all at ease because they are choosing what they want to, you know, hold. Um, I just choose, we, you know, we, I choose a time of day and I, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a collaborative because I, I want them, uh, not only how I see them, but how they see me, you know, it's a collaboration of some, a psychological connection. And so, um, I feel like, you know, it does help, you know. I mean, can you tell any differently? I mean, if it, if, if they feel not comfortable, I usually don't use the image, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just know, you know that, that that that's a trick I've always used when I've had to photograph young children. Yes, Is yes. that I tell them, oh, why don't you hold something that you really like or something that you feel comfortable with? And it seems like... At that point, they it feel really like helps. Yeah. it really helps. Because they feel like that's that becomes the subject of the photograph is whatever they're holding, and they think it's a little less about them, and so they relax a little more. Right, right, right. I wonder what would happen if you you photograph someone that I mean something that they didn't like didn't <laughs> like at all. How would you know that would compare? That'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> 
So by working with the with a larger format, why why do you prefer that as opposed to working with a smaller format? Well, uh, I've always um, liked large format um, because I think pretty much from undergraduate school, once I learned the uh, Yashica math, that twin lens reflex, mm -hmm. yeah. and the larger negative and how sharp and detailed it was, I never looked back. But with the, I've always been intrigued with the large format because it, you know, each time you move up a different format, you slow down. So it makes you work differently. And with the larger format, too, um, having, you know, with the crown graphic and having the black cloth over your head and, you know, it's upside down and backwards, you have to really concentrate. So this allows you to, you know, to talk with the subject and get them comfortable. You know, it takes a few minutes and snap, 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 you know. So, um I just like it, and mainly, too, because I love detail. I mean, I've never been one to use one of the um, plastic cameras and everything's out of focus. I just, I know I love people that do that. I love their photographs, but for me, it's always been the complete opposite in terms of, of uh, sharp detail and everything in focus, pretty much. So what's your story in terms of uh, making a living? Are you making your living as a full-time photographer? Are you doing other work in order to sort of fund? And well, I'm a, a full-time professor, college professor. I teach at University of Central Arkansas. I teach photography. I am the photo department. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So I, I, you know, that's my, uh, I make a living doing that. But um, you know, as a college professor, you can't just just teach. You have to do scholarship. You have to, you know, as they say, and um, you either publish or perish. Yeah. Uh, so um, I have to show my work. So I've been, I've always been very good about that. I'm very competitive. Uh, I like my work to get out there, and um, so I've been very successful with that. I've I've been fortunate people have liked my work. So how do you how have you found the experience of teaching young photographers? How has that influenced and, and impacted your own work or, or the way you see your own work? Um it's it's great because, you know, I don't really teach my students to copy me. If they want to copy I mean, uh do work like mine, that's great, but they have to explain it, and I think it keeps me on my toes. I learned so much from my students, um, the way they look at things now and, um, you know, their approach on life. And, of course, I'm probably now could be their moms. I could uh, I kind of teach them, you know, show them uh, what I've learned through the years as well, you know, and... I push them to do, you know, what they want to do and to love it, you know, because it would be horrible to go to a job that you didn't love, you know, or do something you didn't like. Um, I just have always been that way. And, you know, I haven't really made a, you know, uh, I've, I've, always, I've been pretty good about staying in photography through my lean years, being a starving artist, so I've been fortunate and paid, you know, been paying dues and still pay dues. Uh, I'm always 
open to learn something for sure. Because you, once you start not learning, you kind of uh, die, yeah. so to speak. Going back to your sticks and stones project, what what are your hopes? What are your hopes for that? Are you uh, hoping to to continue to accumulate more work? Are you going to be yes, putting together a yeah, book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like to get it out there and uh, educate. Um, I, I would eventually like a book. I would, you know. Um, awareness you know of it um i'm applying for grants and hopefully maybe i can um get out of the rural south or not the rural south but the south deep south and um i have some trips planned for next summer that are um, getting out of the south that i'm hoping to uh, broaden the project not just you know stereotypical you know south right um so that's my plans. Even California, I've had people that um, want me to photograph them, uh, couples that have been inspired by the project and want to participate. It's I, yeah, I think it's a really would be an important uh, facet of, of of the project. I would love to to hear more of the stories outside of, uh, out of the South because I think it's it's important for people to understand that it is not this is not a regional thing. That it's, no, no, not at all. I mean, everyone thinks that, but it's not. It's sometimes it's even worse, yeah. you know. Um, but just, I mean, I've had people, as you know, like I said, I keep saying, I mean, all over the world, you know, it, there were some in uh, even Africa that have responded to the work. So, um, you know, it's all over. Yeah. It's just not, you know, a regional thing. You know, regional. Uh, you know, uh, how does deep this? South. How does this leave you thinking about just people in general? I mean, it's, it's some sad stories you hear, but you also see how these people um, rise above such negativity. But yeah, you know, it's just—it's very inspiring. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, you have to be really strong in your relationship in order to you know, hear comments like that and be looked at, you know, and, um, yeah, it just, it makes me even, you know, uh, want to be, you know, it makes me want to photograph more, you know, with the, to tell this story, you know, it just gets me inspired to do it more. And, um, you know, it just, it, it could go on for a while, I'm hoping, you know, I'll be able to get it out more, not just where I am, in order to, uh, you know, just educate people, you know. Well, you know, stop and think think what you're saying, you know. It's just not good to, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of trivial. I don't want to trivialize it, but, you know, it's just, it's just something that um, should be talked about. And you know this is a, a great example of a personal project where you feel impassioned about about it. Uh, you know, we've talked to a lot of people on this show who have worked on personal projects that have really have drawn not only my attention but the attention of a lot of a lot of people, a greater greater audience. But I think it's so important to to, to find something that you really are invested in beyond simply making right. a pretty photograph. Right. Uh, I mean, I um. 
I've always been able to work at one project at a time. Uh, and I'm kind of limited a little bit with teaching as being my main source of income. But I love, you know, I love teaching. It's not that. But um, so I'm limited. So I, I can only focus. I've always been that way. I'm, you know, been, only been able to focus on one project at a time. And, um, you know, I'm fully vested in it and uh, I just love it you know I just love I love interacting with people you know I've always been a people photographer um, so it's just something I've always done and I like to know about people because like you know um, when I read books it's usually biographies or autobiographies I just want to learn about um, people so it's been an interesting uh, project and I continue I mean, I, I love it. So, and it's just, re, I mean, it's really new because the other kids' projects I've been doing for over 30 years, uh-huh. almost 30 years. So, um, this is pretty new for me <laughs> so, <laughs> for this project. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Uh, 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 it would be Sig Harvey. I, oh, okay. Um, recently took her workshop, and I've been a long admirer of her work, and I was able to take her workshop at Photo Nola um, this past December, and she's probably the best teacher I've ever had. She really opened our eyes up. And uh, it was great. She's a great photographer. Yeah, she was just great recently in L- she was just recently in Los Angeles. I wasn't able to. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. I saw that. She's awesome. Oh yeah, I hope to talk to her soon. Yeah, you should. You should. And where can people go to find out more about you and, and your work? Just my website, DonnaPinkley.com. dot com, and um, I try to keep it up to date. I'm going to have some new work in the next uh, probably week or so the ones we have been talking about. So just keep up with my website. No, great. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for, for taking the time with me this morning. It was a pleasure to talk to you about you and, and your work. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining me. If you are in the Los Angeles area on the weekend of January 30th, Join me for a full day of street photography. I'm conducting a workshop through the Los Angeles Center of Photography in Hollywood. I'll be taking a small group of students through the process of seeing and shooting in the streets of Los Angeles, and I would love to have you join us. Find out more by clicking on the link on the Candid Frame website or visit lacphoto.org. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.